Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Noon, live from Durham, North Carolina. I'm John Manuel, along with J.J. Cooper here at BaseballAmerica.com. And uh, at Facebook.com, I should say, the Baseball America magazine page. I want to thank you for tuning in. All of our Baseball America Facebook Lives and podcasts are brought to you by Baseballism, the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, men, women, and kids. Shop now at Baseballism.com. Enter the offer code BASHIP and receive free shipping on your order. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more today. That's Baseballism.com. And don't forget, BASHIP. As the promo code, JJ. I actually I was sporting my uh, 643 this weekend. Had a, a, a one of my uh, parent of one of my daughter's friends say, "What's that shirt? How do I get it?" And I, I'm hoping they use the BA ship. I told them. Yeah, you got to use the code. Got to use the offer code uh, to make it work. But uh, it's been a, a the good weekend. Uh, Labor Day weekend's a great time to break out your baseballism shirts. Also a great time to watch some uh, minor league baseball as the season came to a close. A regular season for all the full season leagues finished. We have minor league playoffs starting. Uh, we're going to take some of your questions here. Of course, you can shoot those to us on Twitter. He's at JJCoop36. I'm at John Manuel BA. We're going to use this podcast and uh, Facebook Live to very quickly set the scene for Friday's announcement here. Baseball America Minor League Player of the Year will be announced on Friday. And JJ, we've got five official finalists we're going to reveal here on Facebook Live. We're going to go back and forth, kind of talking a little bit about the case for A, B, C, D, mm-hmm. and E. And we're going to go in alphabetical order, not to prejudice ourselves in any way. This is not a ranking of candidates one through five. We're just going in alphabetical order by last name. But we do have five, I think, distinct candidates, JJ. Four offensive players, uh, three of whom are teenagers. And uh, we had a really special year by teenagers. And then one pitcher who had one of the best uh, years in the minor leagues by a pitcher in, in several seasons. So let's start off right at the top, though, JJ. Ronald Acuna of the Atlanta Braves. This is a guy who we had in the top 100 to start the year in the 60s. I mean, we thought this was a breakout candidate coming into the season, but I don't think any of us could have foreseen this kind of breakout. This this is a massive breakout. This is a uh, taking the league by storm and then another league by storm. <laughs> right. And then another league by storm. And one of the craziest things is, is that Ronald Acuna's st- season Got better every time he was pushed to another level. Yeah, the higher he, his, I'm doing the Florida State League, and guys in that league, the first two guys I talked to said, "Are you going to rank Acuna? Because I don't know what you do with him in this league. He was just okay in this league. I mean, like he was more than okay, but he, he didn't dominate the Florida State League, but he was just setting it up for later. And then he was really good in the Southern League and really dominated the International League. And again, the vast majority of his season was at Double A and and Triple A, and so. At 19. At 19, as a player who also provides an impact defensively, he can play center, he can play right, as a guy with, you know, speed on the base paths. There's just, there's not a whole lot that Ronald Acuna does poorly. Right. And that's really what stands out about him. He's obviously a very good candidate for minor league player of the year. 
But John, I'm sending back to you that we are our number two candidate is also a guy who had a simply outstanding season. Bo Bichette did it between Lansing and Haloe, got up to high A, uh, Dunedin, another teenager. But why is Bo Bichette on this top five? Well, when you're 19 years old, you play shortstop and you're the minor league batting champion, uh, that's going to get you in the conversation. And uh, 362 uh, for a minor league batting champion, that's pretty good. Usually, JJ, I think we see that in a count leaguer or a PCL player. This was a guy doing it as a teenager, very age appropriate in the Midwest League and the Florida State League. Those are two of the most difficult offensive environments uh, for a minor leaguer, period, offensively. And a 362, 423, 565 slash line over those three levels. He had 14 home runs. And at the beginning of the month of August, I told our IT guy, Brent Lewis, hey, we need to prepare a 400 watch for Bo Bichette because he's flirting with 400. And he was because he got off to a great start in the Florida State League. But then the Florida State League reminded him, I'm the Florida State League. Not you will not, yet. you shall not, you know, like, uh, sorry, I, I went to uh, Jimmy there from, uh, from uh, South Park. But he shall not pass. You're not going to hit 400 in this league. You want to put in 324 in the Florida State League, but tremendous year start to finish. And again, he does have defensive value. I think if you're looking for teenage shortstops, the debate of who's the better prospect, Fernando Tatis Jr. or Bo Bichette, that's a real debate. I think you could argue Tatis because he's got more power. You could argue Bichette, who I don't think power is a problem. That's a real debate I think you're gonna have, that scouts are going to have. But who had the better season? I don't think it's a debate. I think Bo Bichette had the better season. Uh, he may not even have had the best season by a Blue Jays farmhand. We'll get to that. But we'll get to that in a minute. JJ, the best season by a pitcher in the minor leagues was clearly, and we're going to pronounce him one way. We're going to go John Duplantier. And if you can correct this, please do so in the comments. But the former Rice right-hander of the Arizona Diamondbacks, JJ, just had a phenomenal year start to finish. Yeah. Uh, went to low A, which was a, a not an aggressive assignment for him. Right. A, a Rice pitcher going to low A. He should do really well. And he didn't do really well. He simply blew away the league, promoted to high class A, which again is, I would say, a little bit more appropriate, and put together the best ERA that we have seen from a minor leaguer. You have to go back more than a decade, Justin Verlander, yeah. which is not a bad guy to say best ERA in the minors since Justin Verlander. Never, never bad to be cop to Justin Verlander. We had Blake Snell with a 140, what, 141, 147 a couple years ago, one minor league player of the year. In some ways, Duplantier's Season resembles Snell, but he didn't do it at right, the higher levels. Right, didn't do it at the higher levels, but uh, but twelve and three, one three nine, that is again best ERA. I think uh, Verlander was one two nine, if yes, I remember correctly. Right. Two thousand and that would have been two thousand five. Five, yeah. So best since that. You just look at it, and he's legit stuff too. This is not, this is not. Hey, I'm a soft tosser who basically has Come a great changeup. Say your reference you want to go to one forty one ERA. You just looked it up. John Connolly. Oh, John, you know, yes. I, I, <laughs> All-time fave. But, uh, you know, John Connolly was that guy. He was the college guy with a really good changeup, and that can really dominate lower levels. No, Duplantier is a guy with absolutely legit stuff. In a Diamondback farm system that managed to get through, you know, they're contending. They made trades. They're more than contending. What are they, yeah. have won 14 Oh, they're rolling. Yeah, like they're, they're rolling. Uh, but, you know, made a, a key trade, J.D. Martinez, and you still look at the farm system and say, still... It's a little better than it was when you know when we came into the year because of guys like like John Duplantier. That was an ex outstanding season. As far as I think that was though a little more like okay, a Rice guy going to a ball mm -hmm. and dominating like that. Not shocking. 
Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is an incredible prospect, but I do think that you could say that what he did this year as an 18-year-old in Lansing and Dunedin, because him and Bobuchet were basically, they started together, or they finished together, and they hung out together pretty much all year. Yeah. Join Kevin Biggio for the uh, <laughs> the all-big uh, league uh, dad uh, you infield. Know, infield. Yeah. So, uh, but you have to say that what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did this year is truly special. I just don't know how to compare him, what, what to compare him to. Who does this? Who's 18 years old and leads the minor leagues in full season ball in on-base percentage? Who would the name, I mean, like the easy uh, people talk of, oh, the, the dad, oh, is he hitting, is he swinging the pitches that bounce? Is he hacking at everything? 76 walks, 62 strikeouts for any minor league or JJ, no matter who they are. What is it, there are three guys in the big leagues who've done this this year, more walks and strikeouts? And two of them like, have one or two more walks, like Buster Posey. I forget who the other player is. And then there's Joey Votto, so he's on his other world. This guy, honestly, he's kind of Votto-ish. That's really, if you said... Plate approach-wise. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Um, and he hit 323. And he had 28 doubles and 13 home runs. And so, he was younger than everyone he was facing. And, everyone. And again, did it in the Midwest League and the Florida State League. So... Again, we've talked about three teenagers so far. Those three teenagers, we didn't even talk Tatis. To as good of a year as Fernando Tatis Jr. had, and he had an outstanding season in the Padres farm system, mostly at low class A Fort Wayne. That's one caveat. But did have a four-hit game at double, double A, a this, right. week, this weekend, too. Got with the double A the last two weeks of the year. As great of a year as Fernando Tatis Jr. had, and it was an outstanding year. It was certainly a breakout. These three guys, there's no way you could argue he had a better year than those three guys. He might be a better prospect than some of those guys, but... Better see. So that's why those three teenagers are the ones who made the cutoff. But there was one player who surmounted, who has a two to start his age, a position player, JJ, who made on our final five. Austin Hayes, when you look at this Orioles farm system right now, we've said this is a, a significantly improved Orioles farm system. And you say that because I've been at Baseball America for 15 years. <laughs> and for the vast majority of that, you could say it's a pretty thin Orioles farm system. That's you know, been the general. bank on them in the bottom ten. Manny Machado. I mean, okay, there was a little, you know, there was a little step up there. Some blitz. Manny Machado, Jonathan Scope, same infield. How about or, or you know when they had uh, Arietta mm -hmm. and Gossman and Mattis and Chris Tillman all in the minor leagues? You looked at that and said, oh, some of those guys are going to work out, and some of them did. But Austin Hayes, very savvy draft pick by the Orioles. He, he, he was 46 on our 47th on the 47 on the 500 last year. Fell to 91st. Right, to 91st. Fell a lot further than that. And his first year has shown uh, he got he was underdrafted. I don't think there's any question. Ended up second in the minors in home runs, 32 home runs. Did that, you know, at, at a high A and double A. And the thing about it is, is this isn't just a slugger. This is an outfielder who provides value defensively. Mm -hmm. Is he a center fielder? I think maybe early career center fielder who shifts to right field has the arm to do it easily right. later career. But he's a first baseman like Michael. I mean, center fielder like Michael Conforto is a center fielder. I mean, you would never have drawn it up that Michael Conforto. He's probably a better center fielder. I was going to say he's Conforto, better than that. But uh, Conforto has been way better defensively than I think people thought he would be uh, coming out of Oregon State. This guy, it's a legit plus arm, and uh, like you said, I mean, he could play center field. You probably want someone better playing center right. field. But it's going to be hard to find necessarily a better defender in right field. He's got kind of profile right field tools. And again, the power is absolutely legit. He hits for average. The crazy thing with him is he's very aggressive hitter, but an aggressive hitter who never strikes out. That's yeah, that 15%. When, 
we were talking about Vlad, you know, Vlad Jr. And we said, is he like his dad? No, Austin Hayes is much more like the approach. He's right. much more like Vladimir Guerrero Sr. He is a guy who swings and makes hard contact with, you know, balls in and sometimes out of the zone. So those are the five finalists. Uh, just to go over those again, Ronald Acuna of the Braves, Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero Jr. of the Blue Jays, John Duplantier of the Diamondbacks, Austin Hayes of the Orioles. So one of those five players will win Baseball America's Minor League Player of the Year Award. That's going to be announced Friday morning on MLB Network. Uh, I'll be introducing the winner on MLB Central in the morning. Don't have a precise time yet, but I will uh, try to uh, grow my beard out a little bit to match uh, Matt Vazgersian on MLB Central and, and look the part. Let's take some questions uh, on Facebook, JJ. And again, just stick, stay tuned to Baseball America's social media channels of the precise time on Friday morning on MLB Network. Um, but J.J. Paul Ivice asks, have, what hitters have ever dominated the pitcher-friendly Florida State League? You and I have both done that league's top prospect list. And I don't know about dominated, but I know we've ranked prospects in that league. But oh, I'm just yeah. trying to think of who the top-hitting prospects have been. I can tell you Brett Rooker as another guy oh, who's doing oh. it this year in the Florida State League. 11 home runs already in, like, basically a month in the Florida State League, so... But it is true. I mean, it is something where that's one of the things that is most notable. If you had take... If you took Boba Shett's year and you said that he did it in, say, Asheville followed by Lancaster... Right. He would not be in top five. No offense, Brendan Rodgers. No offense, Brendan Rodgers. That's why. But the difference between that and doing it in Lansing and Dunedin is... It's massive. It's a big difference. I mean, you know, last year Christian Stewart led that league in home runs, and he's a nice player, but, but good he was also player. playing. He was playing in a rare, like he was playing Correct. in a different ballpark than your typical FSL ballpark. You're right. Because Joker Marchant was being uh, redone. Renovate, renovate, yeah. So. so when you have like a guy like Casey Kelly, uh, no, got Casey Kelly, uh, Carson Kelly, right, the catcher yeah. for the Cardinals, uh, who has like a 323 slugging percentage, it was still, I think, over a 100 ISO. And then you're looking at what the slugging percentage. I think that Roger Dean Stadium that year had like 30 home runs total, and that's with two teams using it as their home field. So that league is really just not an offensive league. So the question uh, is a good question, Paul, and that's why we regard the the seasons that Bo and Vlad Jr. had so highly. So I'm going to go through. We got a couple of people throwing out like other candidates that could have been minor league player of the year. Eloy Jimenez, I would say. Really, the problem for Eloy, incredible second half mm -hmm. after he got fully healthy. He wasn't fully healthy in the first half. Lower leg, you know, leg injuries that kept him. Didn't yeah, keep him from early, yeah. Yeah, and didn't keep him from playing, but it did mean that he was DHing a lot. He wasn't, he really kind of hit his stride about midseason and really kind of hit the rocket boosters. Um, Mike Soroka, again, you, really give, good year. you give credit for doing it at the age he did, at the level he did, you know, double A. Really good year. I would say that his year is, is more of one where you say that was a really good year. There was nothing atypical about it compared to, say, like a, a John Duplantier who ended up making our finalist right. because John Duplantier had a year that is just a, a, a notch above. Shane Bieber doesn't walk anyone, and I mean anyone, anyone, anyone. Shane Bieber had an amazing year, 173 innings, 10 walks. Uh, between three levels, and the thing is, he somewhat like uh, Acuna got better at every level. I don't think he was ever as dominant as Ronald Acuna. A, he did have 162 strikeouts, but again, not even a strikeout per inning. But no home runs allowed, 0.4 per nine and 0.5 walks per nine. Led the minors in 
fewest walks per nine innings. And, and Aaron Savale, uh, you know. Other side, similar coin, right. had a five ERA though in low A to start the year. So great year, really good prospect. Both these guys are interesting prospects. I actually probably like Savale a little bit better. He's more, a little bit more of a power arm than Bieber as a prospect, but those aren't really minor league player of the year seasons. Uh, Jeff White asked what happened to Nick Senzel. Did he get hurt? Yes, shut down for the end of the year, a little vertigo. Normally that's nothing. Normally, normally. Nick Asaski, if you, again, you have to be a little older like me to remember, but Nick Asaski signed a big free agent deal with the Braves and basically career was ended by vertigo. So it's normally no big deal. You, you do hope for Nick Senzel, who, talk about you see the FSL effect. Nick Senzel in the first half in the FSL had a very good year. Yeah. And then he goes to double A, and the second half of the year was an outstanding year. And there There's a, couple, a little bit of a park effect to that, too. There are a couple questions about that. Yeah, and so Florida State League parks A, park effect B, humidity. It's just, it's just the ball just does not travel in the Florida State League. And uh, the other thing that came up this year was it's just really hard to play with energy in the Florida State League between the heat and the humidity and the fact that it's like 400 people a game. It's just not. So one of the managers in that league said, the best thing about Tim Tebow being in the Florida State League was he brought energy to the park because he brought fans to the park. So 4,000 fans show up, everybody in the stadium perks up a little bit, not just the fans, but the players. So that's a small part of the Tebow effect, but I think that's a factor in the Florida State League is that league just wears, it just grinds on you, JJ. And by more the way, Josh Norris will have a story up at BaseballAmerica.com coming up uh, probably later today. but. You look at the attendance around the FSL. The uh, it's insane. The Tebow effect was uh, was pretty strong there. Um, Israel Maldonado, yeah. JJ Garrett Hampson had a good year. Granted, it was a Lancaster. Is he someone you should keep an eye on, or just a product of the park? A love my Nevada high school products. You do. He's a he's a Reno guy, not a Vegas guy, but uh, I, I do love my Nevada high school products. B Long Beach State shortstop, pretty doggone good demographic. It's like the anti-Georgia prep pitcher. Demographic. I'll give you Bobby Crosby. I'll give you Evan Longoria and Troy Tulowitzki and Danny Espinosa, all big leaguers. And this guy's going to be a big leaguer. Big leaguers. There's some stars in there right. for sure. And, and and staying power and all that. Hampson's Hampson, different though. Hampson is okay. If Garrett Hampson had a seven-year MLB career, and again, I shouldn't say this now because Freddie Gallus hit 20 home runs last year. <laughs> right. But, but Garrett Hampson, that what you have is, is I would say that the over-under would be less than a, uh, a good Tulo season or a good longer, Longoria season of home runs. Yes. It is a put the ball in play, use the whole field, savvy, top of the order at best type of, of profile. Right. Can play shortstop. You know, it's the kind of profile that ends up being a guy who often ends up having a lengthy career. It's a very high floor kind of guy. Mm -hmm. He's a middle infielder who's athletic. And, you know, the real the, the thing that threw me in the draft, because yeah, I've always liked Garrett Hampson. I saw him with the U.S. national team the summer after his sophomore year. He did not impact the baseball in any way. It was a pretty uninspiring effort with wood bats. And then he went back for his junior year at Long Beach State, even with Blair Field and his dimensions. I thought he'd run more, J.J., in college. I thought he'd run more. I thought he would steal bases more um, productively. He got caught stealing a lot. I think it just tells you just how in each other's heads all the Big West teams are. I mean, they step off. They have so many things they do to try to minimize the running game. This guy wound up finishing fourth in the minor leagues in steals. Now, granted, everybody at <laughs> Lancaster right. ran. Lancaster, yes. Lancaster this year, they didn't have a green light, red light. That's they right. just had a guy standing there going, 
Come here. Yeah, they pretty come much, here. They waved you on. It was like it was like a youth baseball where like yeah, if you get walked, just take a big turn when you get to first base and just keep going to second. That was basically the idea at Lancaster. So 51 steals, only caught 14 times, so 65 attempts. That puts a pounding on your body too, but he held up over it. Again, I think this guy, and the thing is, he can't get there soon enough, in my mind. The the Rockies, DJ LeMahieu and Trevor Story, have their good points, but they're both flawed players. And we've, we'll wrap with this, JJ. Did you ever think you'd see a shift like the Diamondbacks put on DJ LeMahieu, who they just basically moved their left fielder to center fielder, took the spray charts and said, all he does in the air, everything goes to center field and right. He's and mainly never trying right. to pull the mainly, ball. Yeah. Mainly right and right center field. And they put three outfielders in center, right center, and right field. And he didn't he didn't take advantage of it. The guy because has a sub 100 isolated power because he's in not, course. But he's not, uh, again, he, this is not a bad player. No. Know, but he is incapable of taking advantage of that consistently. It, His it swing so, is yes. not oriented. And again, especially when you have. You have a pitcher then who's pitching him and not pitching him. You're, you have that alignment. You are not saying, hmm, let's see. <laughs> let's run fastballs in. Just you, right. know, you are pitching him to that. You put those two together, and DJ LeMahieu's, you, you, it actually, as crazy as it looked, it does make some sense. So I was, I was, if, I'm, if I'm a Rockies fan, A, I'm worried about That was one of the first questions B, we actually I'm had. Counting, I'm counting on Brendan. You're saying about Gary, but you're counting the days till Brendan Rodgers is Nick Nick Heitkamp asked, do you see the Rockies making the playoffs or they collapse? I think chances of collapse are actually pretty high. They relied extremely heavily on very young pitchers. That is always, whether you're at altitude or not, that's always uh, shaky, I think, uh, uh, for playoff chances. So I would love to see the Rockies make the playoffs because of their reliance on young pitchers. And I, I love seeing Charlie uh, Chuck Nasty. I like Charlie Blackman. I like a lot of their players. But I do think they have real issues up the middle, so you would have, you would have loved for Brendan Rodgers to have gotten there quickly. Uh, maybe Ryan McMahon keeps giving them a boost. I, I like Ryan McMahon. Um, Who does play some second. He does, and, and they probably should play a little bit more. Uh, Nick Heikamp also The third baseman asked, they have is okay, though. Yes, the third baseman is uh, fantastic. How, what kind of a year would they be having if Carlos Gonzalez was having a normal Carlos Gonzalez season? That's a guy who's had a, a really bad year. I mean, that's, that's really the – if you're going to finger one culprit, it would be him. Uh, Nolan Arenado would never be in the same sentence as culprit. But uh, Nick asks, who do you see winning the NL MVP, JJ? That's, that's feeling wide open as well. Is, I would say right now, just off top of the head, what about Cody Bellinger? But how is he necessarily the, the most valuable Dodger? I mean, like J- Justin Turner's season is pretty comparable. It's pretty comparable. And he's also, I think he's going to get to 109, 105 games. It's going to be hard to give him MVP. No, I, I follow your saying, but at the same time, you're, you're, if you get to 40 home runs and... What if you get to 55 or 60? <laughs> so that's where I'd but, probably go, be Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton, again, if you say, I would probably vote for Stanton. Um, I don't, we don't know what we're voting yet because we're not, we're not right. uh, you know... We are in the BBWAA. We do get we're to not, vote. You know, we're not prejudicing that, but I'm just saying, like, looking at it, I do, what I'm saying is this who I think win. I don't know if Stanton's going to win it because the Marlins have been – they've hung on the periphery. They've, they've lost eight of their last nine to kind they've, of fall out of uh, – I guess they're six games out in the wild card. Right, they're Reserves. still on the very periphery. They they're can, more in it than Joey Votto, who's had probably the best season of any national leaguer. Uh, but I'm not necessarily sure that the Reds – you know, like they win games by accident, it seems mm-hmm. like. I'm not sure that's necessarily going to get them MVP votes. I'm not sure if the – if Brian Kenny and others have moved the needle so much 
in the MVP balloting. Uh, but I, mean, I think he's probably had the best year. But I think Stanton just. Ivano's season is, yeah. It's just over and over he does it. He's so much fun to watch, which is why it's just so amazing that the people who watch him every day don't seem to like him. I don't get that. How about a half season of J.D. Martinez? That's been pretty valuable. That's been pretty valuable. Last but not least, Phil Cowden, what are your thoughts on Ray's Jesus Sanchez up-and-coming prospect or just a fluke year? JJ, we do coming, not think up fluke. Up-and-coming. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a dude. That is not like where that is not where did this come from. That was a guy who was a guy before this year turned began, and you look at it now and you say, yep, checked off every box we wanted to see in this year. He's a dude. The body is the body. It is a good prospect body. Rangy, lean, long. Uh, so it's what you want. So uh, we're, we're, we're both in on Jesus Sanchez. Thumbs so up. Yes. Not much fluky there. So this was fun. Rapid fire. Mm -hmm. And again, Friday morning on MLB Central, uh, we will announce Baseball and America's Minor League Player of the Year. And of course, at BaseballAmerica.com. So check, uh, check those social media challenge, uh, channels. So for JJ Cooper, I'm John Manuel. Well, thank you to our followers for tuning in today. Today's podcast and Facebook Live are sponsored by Baseballism. Don't forget to shop now at Baseballism.com. Enter the offer code BASHIP to receive free shipping on your order. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and much more today. For JJ, I'm John. We'll see you next time here at Facebook.com slash BaseballAmericaMag. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.